Welcome to My Tech Opinion, episode 25. My name is Daniel Olivares in Melbourne, filling in for Phil Edwards in this episode. And I'll be joined by our regular co-host, located in Perth, Shane Johnston. Our feature topic this episode, will be looking into esports. So let's get the show underway right now. Welcome to My Tech Opinion, episode 25. My Tech Opinion is brought to you by Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting. For great hosting plans and support, visit um, athwebhosting.com.au. For the listeners and viewers joining us for the first time, My Tech Opinion is a program that has a deeper look at the feature topic each episode. And it won't always just be uh, two of us. When possible, uh, we'll also have a guest to join us and let that lend their expertise and knowledge to help us unpack our feature topic. All that said, our feature topic in this episode will be looking into esports, and um, I'm the apparently the expert <laughs> in all that because because I play games and I have attended an actual esport event. But I'll do my best uh, to fill in you people that are not aware of what esports is, and I'll tell you what I've learned so far as well. But um, yes, so hopefully. Uh, you'll be interested and want to find out more about what this whole esports thing is. Um, you're probably wondering who who is this guy. Uh, my name is Daniel Olivares. I do a show with the regular co-host of this show, Phil Edwards. Myself, Phil Edwards, and Andy Bloom. We do a tech radio show called Geeks Interrupted in Melbourne. So we do a radio show, live radio show on Monday nights, and then on the rest during the rest of the week, we produce a podcast of that show as well. And uh, Phil, uh, many reasons why he's not in uh, this week. One, he is a lazy bum. Uh, Two is, uh, unfortunately, his favorite team, the Hawks, lost uh, yesterday from uh, the Melbourne Demons. So there goes their chances of being in the AFL finals. And speaking of the finals, uh, the other thing too is that he, like I mentioned, we do a radio show together. He does the VFL commentary and this weekend is the preliminary finals of all the vfl teams so it's saturday and tomorrow at the saturday at the time of this recording he's uh, busy covering that so um he's asked me to fill in so that's where i am and any big fans of my tech opinion you might even remember me i was interviewed as a special guest on podcasting a few episodes ago shane do you know what episode number that was or any, any, not off the top of my head. Um, no. shouldn't be easy to find out. I know you, you, because we did Jessica episode four, episode eight, you would have been no, yeah. eight or yeah. 12, eight or 12. Yeah, so yes, so I am, I am around. You, you can probably find me around as well. So, anyway, Shane, how have you been? I can tell by the background that the weather in Perth looks really good. Um, if it was a live shot, yeah. No, actually, the the weather today is pretty good. It's nice and sunny oh, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but now the first the first week I had this background up, the weather was actually cyclonic outside. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a complete opposite here in Melbourne. In Melbourne, it is uh, top of thirteen 
and raining at the moment. So I am in my warm house with my warm um, warm uh, hoodie on, and that's about it. So, yes. So can you arrange for the temperature to kind of pick up another 10, 15 degrees within two weeks by the time I get there? Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'll do my bit to contribute to global warming, and that will hopefully increase temperatures to that amount. Hopefully it may not be permanent either, but, you know. I can only do so much with my little um, Skoda Fabia driving around every day as well. It's, 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 it's more powerful than a Verena, that's for sure. Uh, but yes, uh, those are the reasons why Phil, unfortunately, is here. And at this point of the episode, you're probably uh, regretting that he's gone for this episode. Anyway, um, now Shane, we mentioned that we were going to be looking into esports. Uh, but let's talk about other things you i'll give you the choice should we talk about ourselves more or should we go to a listener's question um the only exciting thing that's happened to me is okay. since our last episode our last episode no the episode before based on when this will be posted we mm. did an episode on um raspberry pies and i went and bought one yes so you youtube uh viewers or if you're watching the video version of this episode i'm waving to you but i'll let shane speak he has got himself is it just a raspberry pi there's a particular name for the device it's the um it's the model uh model 3b plus so it's the the latest and greatest the one that's got most of the it's got wi-fi it's got hdmi it's got um four usb it's got a gigabit ethernet port um it's got the sd card it came i went you can get them kind of pre-installed with the raspberry kind of operating system yep. um i went that way since i'm kind of new at it so um so i'll be playing with that later later today and over the weekend so what's the purpose of that then what so you mentioned is for network configuration or monitoring your network or what do you what, what can you do with that what I'll be doing with it is um connecting it because with my router i can um mirror any of the ports Yep. So I'm mirroring the WAN port, going to whack that in there and load it with a particular software, which I haven't worked out what one I'm going to use yet, um, to just monitor traffic and all that kind of stuff, make sure that you know things aren't getting out or getting in that aren't supposed to be and mm. all that kind of stuff. It would have been handy when I had other people living here, like when the family was here and all that kind of stuff. I could sort of you know, more accurately sort of say, you know, it's the kids that are wasting all the bandwidth and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> now I can't blame them. You can't blame it. It's like the realization, the truth comes out. It's like it was me all along. Yep. Kind of like the scene of Planet of the Apes where he finds out it was Earth all along, but it's you with your networking usage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, poor analogies away. Let's go into a poor segue to actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to ruin the show here. Let's talk about me yeah, exactly. as well, what I've been up to this week. Uh, sorry, I haven't been up to much at all. Anything tech-wise, not really. If if anything, um, I've been configuring my... I, I do a bit of Twitch streaming, so that's playing video games and letting strangers watch you play games. And um, there's a program that most streamers use called OBS. Uh, I'll try and find the actual full name. I think it's like Open Broadcast Software. I'll, I'll, I'll go I'll jump with that. And if I am wrong, please... Um, don't email me. And I've been having issues with OBS because it, 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 I've got to configure that the streaming part, it converts any video that I'm playing 
onto the stream. And then I have another process that records that. So I use my CPU for the processing of the stream and then the GPU to record it. It comes up encoding overload errors. Here's the thing. I got a, not bragging, it is a somewhat of a decent PC. So I got an AMD Ryzen 5. And that should be quite sufficient enough. There's people use uh, Ryzen 3 and they have no issues with streaming. So I think I should be have a decent, uh, I should have a decent quality stream. And when it's saying encoding overloaded, the stream buffers. So it doesn't look good on my part. And it stuffs up my recording. So it makes me look even worse. Um, so I was trying out different opera, uh, different programs. So there's one's called XSplit. There's another one called Streamlabs OBS, which in the gaming world, Streamlabs is a service that helps you earn money and does special effects on your stream. They bought all, because OBS is an open, uh, what's a, uh, it's open software. Uh, so they taken that and made their own version of it and they both suck. So it's sort of, I'm stuck with OBS and trying to find out a way to sort of stop that encoding overload issue. So uh, yeah, that's my sort of tech, tech things. If you want to go to entertainment, uh, last night I saw The Predator, the new movie. Is there anything to do with the other Predators that have been and gone? Uh, yes, they actually even mentioned about, oh, we've been monitoring this alien that has has landed in 1980. Well, when was the, the first Predator with uh, good old Arnold Schwarzenegger at least? Uh, hopefully Google can give us a time. Um, 1987. So 1987, 1991, we've spotted this alien, obviously reference to the Predator 1 and 2. Um, it's supposed to be canon. And technically kind of is because very interesting fact, one of the actual actors in the original Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Shane Black, he's the director of this the, this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Either way, the movie sucked. <laughs> it's, it's a so bad, it's good sort of movie. It's definitely a very weird start. The action scenes and like, if you like your B-grade movies, you'll definitely enjoy this. Enjoy this movie. But like, you know... Um, that's in the category of like Sharknado and all those. Yeah, I saw the Meg a few weeks ago as well. Uh, Meg is a better structured movie, but it's also a bit boring as well for what it is. It's it's kind of moments like okay, it, it, it get bored about it. Predator was a better sort of action schlock, silly movie, and there are definitely some funny moments there. So I enjoyed that part, but as a movie in general, it's like uh, it's a bit crappy start and finish, but. That's my opinion. Uh, you probably look at the trailer and you probably look at the reviews and, and many of them are kind of on point of what I think about it as well. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, apart from that terrible uh, segue I was trying to get into because we were talking about NAS and, 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 and uh, 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 networks and, and wireless, uh, Shane, we got a uh, – you got some feedback. We do. A question from a yeah. listener, a viewer, you know. Mm, yeah, we don't get um, feedback that often because we're kind of a, still a new show, but um, it's always good to get feedback from people. And I'm just scrolling through the notes to try and find the feedback. Here we go. So, uh, where does it say the guy's name? I haven't actually recorded or copied the guy's name across into the show notes, but um, he knows who he is after I just after we read the actual email up. And um, I might actually be able to squeeze in the, the guy's name into the show notes while we're doing the editing. But anyway, he goes on to say, 
Hi guys, love the podcast. Great listening to you both each week. I'm preparing for NBN Fibre to the Curb and looking uh, at a modem options as the provider I'm planning to go with offers a crappy modem. Trying to determine is it worth going with the crappy modem or or investing in a good Wi-Fi slash router or even getting a good modem router combo. Um, I have a typical household Double story, 13 plus devices connected via Wi-Fi, two kids on YouTube, PlayStation and Netflix. And then he goes on to ask us or maybe suggest that we could even do a, an episode about it. So we'll do our best to answer the question now. Um, the, the technology that he's lining up for is the same technology that Phil usually uses or that mm. Phil uses. So it's a shame he's not here to answer the question, but we'll give it a bash. Daniel, what do you reckon? Uh, look, I'm going to talk about my personal experience with my setup so any viewers of the the youtube version of the show can probably see and i'll try and bend her a bit just behind me i got a my republic uh modem and i'm a fiber to the node uh nbn customer and above me connected to that is an apple time capsule that i'm using as my wi-fi so I guess to answer your your question is um, whether you should get a all-in-one modem Wi-Fi or just accept the modem you get from your uh, telco and, and get a, a combination with a, a standalone Wi-Fi router. I'd personally go the, the, the latter. Um, I bought myself, and I'll see if I can get it on time. Um, I got a, I think it's, it's a pretty full-on Netgear device. I know, I think it's like the the, the Hawk. Or yeah, the, sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, I had myself a net. I bought myself a Netgear Nighthawk because I was so enthusiastic to get my NBN, and I got that and set it up with my modem, uh, with my with my NBN setup. And eventually, when I did get my modem that's supplied from my ISP, I found the speeds were better with the ISP's provided modem than with a I think at the time it was a four hundred dollar modem, wireless modem wireless modem router that I bought from from Harvey Norman. Um and I'm putting that down probably to just the configuration that the provider would have on that modem. Um in saying that the Wi-Fi range on that $400 machine was way better than what I got from from what the ISP supplied. So personally, my opinion is just look, hey, get, get the free modem or whatever, 100 bucks or whatever you paid for your ISP provider and use that modem and look into a Wi-Fi setup that's best for your house. My parents are in a double-story house and they have pretty much the same uh, modem, a, night, a Netgear Nighthawk, and they need internet access downstairs and the, and the modem setup is upstairs and, and it works quite well. Um, but then maybe look at, I know Google have their Google Wi-Fi setup. We have multiple um, Wi-Fi devices around the house and that might even out your coverage on your uh, in, in your home. So, yeah, Shane, what do you think? What is your opinion? Um, 
I could be wrong because I'm not a fibre to the cube customer. I've got fibre to the premises, the, mm. what I call the proper in. Um, yes. And I'm under the impression that you have to go with the um, ISP's modem because with fibre to the cube, the modem is the thing that actually pushes the power back down the, the phone line to then um, power the, the device that's actually at the, at the cube. Right. And it's obviously all also configured to their ISP settings and that kind of stuff because I know the issues that Phil had. Um, he uh, he looked at sort of other options and all that kind of stuff. He was even going to go and get the modem from the ISP to kind of you know help things along and hurry things up. And um, and then you know, he had the issues that he had. And because yeah, like I said, because of the fact that it actually provides the power. I think you have to go with the the one that comes with the ISP, or if if not that, you actually have to at least get the same sort of type of modem that does the the power supply thing. Right. Look, you you probably hit a point there. It's sort of fiber to the curb. I don't know if it'll be any different to fiber to. I'm I'm fiber to the node, and as Shane mentioned, he's fiber to the premises. Um, uh, dear. Uh, listener who sent us this email, um, depending on your circumstance of how, whether you can have your own modem and configure that, um, either way, it probably seems like just accept what your ISP provides you and then invest in a decent Wi-Fi network with a Wi-Fi router rather than get like a modem router instead to, repl- to replace whatever's provided by ISP. So while you were um, just talking then, I managed to, I had enough time to go back to the guy's original email that he sent us and the yes. the listener's name is Chris Dymo, D-I-M-O. So Chris, hopefully that helps. Um, yes. What I'll do is um, Phil also got a copy of this, of this email because the address that you sent it to went to both Phil and myself. So when Phil comes back next episode, I'll um, remind him of the email to see whether he wants to kind of add his two cents worth in. But, um, yeah, just to kind of also touch on what you were talking about, Daniel, in relation Mm. to the the mesh um, solution. Yeah, Yeah, you've got Google have got one. Netgear's got the – Netgear's got one. Um, I think theirs is called Arlo. Could be wrong. Yes. Um, Unless that's a webcam one, I'll double check. Yeah, it could be the webcam stuff. The thing that you um, got to remember with the any mesh solution is that um, some are obviously more expensive than others. Some you might get a kit where they throw three in. Some you only get one. Um, some are you know, a nice kind of compact and they fit into a, a power socket nice, neatly. Others um, are, are kind of like little antennas that come out of the power socket. Mm. The other thing is is that if you've got like a double power socket. Some of them are, are that big that they kind of go into the one power socket, but then they overreach into the the neighbouring power socket, which basically means you can't use it. So yeah, there are things you've got to factor in as well. So is the Netgear Orbi? Yes, is the is the mesh network, and uh, Google have the original name of Google Wi-Fi. Yep. As the network, and then so. who who have got the Plume? It's called Plume, is it? Yeah. Mm. Don't see it. It's probably not even available in Australia because it's something that you know I they talk regularly about on Twitter. 
Uh, okay, it looks like it's a US only thing. That's probably why. Bloom is turning home Wi-Fi into a subscription service. That is straight from the Verge there. $60 a year subscription to keep your router fully functional. Sounds terrible. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too, the factoring on any equipment um, is whether it's updatable, whether it's over the air updatable, whether you have to go and actually look for the updates or whether they push them out to you. Um, I know that I use a Draytech and I've got to go and actually look for the update um, mm. and they don't kind of push it out to me automatically. And uh, look, I'm kind of like, I'll probably mention too, um, like I mentioned, my setup is with the My Republic. Uh, provided modem connected to my Apple time capsule that's providing a Wi-Fi around my system. Uh, the reason for that is I got a few Apple devices working with it and the way Apple does its Wi-Fi is that yes you might have a 5 gigahertz and 2.5 gigahertz frequency around it's all under the one name so as far as my devices are concerned it's just the one one uh, Wi-Fi network to connect to and it works out fine and I'm finding I'm in a one-bedroom apartment. I'm finding the Wi-Fi range of my Apple time capsule better than what the MyRepublic supplied modem is. In saying that, uh, you, if you are tech-savvy, you probably know that Apple have dropped their support or I will be dropping their support for any of their wireless devices. So sooner or later, I'm probably going to have to replace that as well. But in the meantime, it does the job well, so I'll stick with that. Yep. All right, let's move on and let's talk about some um, some of the news uh, that's happened this uh, week. And we'll just stick with the one topic because there's a very small news announcement from Apple. They decided to change their name from Apple to Banana. So, your... Wait, hang on. I've completely misread that news article. No, Apple had the 2018 Keynote announcement and they announced two or several new products uh, one has been the new iPhones for this year with the different variations they have as well as the next Apple Watch so they've announced the iPhone XS iPhone XS Max and the iPhone XR as well as announced the new Apple Watch 4 the fourth gen Apple Watch um so I'll see if I can grab some details of all the specifics about what's happened. Uh, we can go with the Apple Watch. It's a new edge-to-edge -edge large display, about 30% larger, developed in 40 millimeter, 44 millimeter sizes. The new watch face has now eight complications. Those are little applications you can see on the actual screen. Uh, redesigned UIs are probably part of the new watch OS update as well. The digital crown has a haptic feedback on it as well. New processor, twice as fast as the older uh, watches as well. Um, Shane, do you want to focus more on one of these devices or would you like me to go on with the other features of the new? No, I was just going to um, ask a couple of questions. I mentioned a couple of things about the watch. Now, I haven't yes. actually seen the keynote video version. I've heard the um, twit coverage of the audio version of the of the keynote. Yep. So I've heard about the watch and what it does and what the phones do, but I haven't actually seen it. The thing that I'd like to see how it kind of works is the new ECG functionality in the watch. Uh, is that the heart rate monitor? Yeah, they've got well, they've got two. They've got the regular heart rate monitor, um, yeah. and then they've got one where it 
So Check what it does, it, if you check out the, because it's all up on the Apple website, they're ready to go to sort of, you can pre-order these devices. So the Apple Watch Series 2 has got a, just on the bottom of the crown, it has a sensor there and you put your finger on it and it uses lights to check your pulse, check your finger and it makes its readings in regards to your heart rate based on that. So I think there's may or may I may be incorrect about this, but I think there's also a new sensor on the bottom of the of the watch which uh, already does the testing of your heart rate as well. So those advancements there, um, they've even had to get uh, FDA approval in order to get this uh, to be a legitimate source of um, of uh, uh, measuring your heart rate. So looking at other features, low heart rate monitoring, screen heart rhythm in background. New electrical sensors allows the electrocardiogram. ECG takes 30 seconds to produce a PDF that you can even send to your doctor as well. So you've definitely gone uh, full hog into the health See, side. Not that I'm a doctor, but mm. what I know of an ECG is they're the ones that they put the things around your chest. Yes. And then they send electrical pulses or they measure the electrical kind of current through the heart. Mm-hmm. How are they doing it when both things are kind of at the wrist? Surely it's not like the, the electrical kind of pulse comes from the watch, goes through the heart and then comes back. And then the reason why you have to kind of touch it with your other hand and touch the crown is because that kind of co- completes mm-hmm. the circuit. Well, I'm glad you've asked me, Shane, because I too am not a doctor. So I don't know how that that all works. Um, I think the fact that I have the FDA looking into this uh, or giving the, getting the clearance from them mm. and as well as they're getting other countries or other, other sort of health uh, governance bodies from other countries to look into to see if, whether this is legitimate or not. And presumably so, it must be legitimate enough that they can use these services. Either way, it's sort of... I don't think this is the end all to say, hey, you are having a heart attack or you need to check up. I think, if anything, it's an early sign indicator to go, hey, I'm a device that this is what I sort of measure and I'm measuring this thing. You should go to a professional, not us non-doctors that you're listening or watching, but actually go to an actual doctor and actually have a checkup with their multi-thousand dollar machines that are probably... <laughs> <laughs> way better telling if there is an issue with your body or specifically your heart rather than trusting that $400 smartwatch yeah. that you got as well. So um, I think this does give it an advantage of other sort of smart devices that, yes, a lot of them have monitoring, uh, heart monitoring sensors. To have the FDA, to have an actual health body and say, yep, this is actually a, gets our approval is a big thing and probably a big selling point. Um, I've even told some people that have heart conditions that they thought, hmm, I would be interested to get something like this. Uh, what personally I'm annoyed with the Apple Watch is they bought, I'm sure a few months ago, Apple bought a sleep detecting company or software. I haven't implemented it. I actually use my Apple Watch to check my sleep patterns, actually, and there are a lot of third-party apps to take advantage of the sensors on and all the measured results from the Apple Watch. And I was actually hoping that I would actually do something about sleep monitoring, but they don't do it. So, Apparently, the, uh, and we did we covered this in a couple of episodes ago, uh, a couple of episodes, uh, an episode a, a few episodes ago, is what I was trying to say. Um, the more accurate way of doing it is to have 
something you're kind of lying on, whether it be a pillow or something under yeah. the mattress or whatever? I think there is a device, and there may be in Apple stores, I haven't seen in a while, but it is, think of it like a electric blanket that is, it's not as big as one, of course, but it's sort of, it rolls on, on your actual bed and it will measure your movements and, and whatnot. So that, I think, is probably a bit of um, measure of your sleep patterns. I used to have a Fitbit before I had the Apple Watch for the last few years and that measured my sleeping pattern quite well. Um, not that the current setup I have is that bad, but there are some cases. I'm pretty sure I've slept eight hours, not three hours according to, according to the app. Um, but yeah, my, my sort of disappointment is like, yes, these are some, definitely some cool features of the new Apple Watch, but I am annoyed it is missing out you know, any, any sort of uh, sleep pattern techni- uh, uh, um, system as good as, as, as its heart monitoring one. So I'll resort to using third-party apps to still tell me how my sleep has gone. Yep, fair enough too. Uh, what else has been announced, as we mentioned, of course, was the new iPhone. So let me see what else. So they had the iPhone XS or the XS Max. So the iPhone XS is a 5.8-inch Super Retina OLED display with the Max. Guess what? It is way bigger. In fact, it is the new biggest iPhone you can get at 6.5-inch Super Retina OLED display. Uh, they got a new uh, IP68 resistance and also a um, stronger glass casing or glass front as well developed um, from Apple. A uh, m- uh, new version of Face ID, so it should be uh, definitely quicker and especially because they have a new A12 Bionic chip as well, uh, 12, megapixel, 12 megapixel back camera and 7 megapixel uh, front camera as well um and so definitely the usual other upgrades that you can get with your new iphone it's faster it's got a better camera system but i think the big thing has been uh it's definitely a uh, bigger phone the iphone xs max but the other big thing about it is the price as well so if i'm right and i'm looking at the australian site of the Apple Store for the Australian dollar of uh, in Australian dollars, the iPhone XS starts for one thousand six hundred and twenty nine dollars, and the iPhone XS Max starts at one thousand seven hundred and ninety nine. And if you just gotta have all that capacity, uh, get if you want to get top of the range iPhone XS Max with five hundred and twelve gigs of storage, you're looking at two thousand three hundred and sixty nine dollars. So we know that Phil's already ordered the XS and he went with the 256 version, didn't he? Yes, reluctantly so. I think one point Phil has made throughout the week has been we still have the 64 gig and 256 and 256 and 512 gig sort of tiers of storage. What's happened to 128? Yeah. Like that's a nice sweet spot. And I think it's more the fact that Apple surprisingly wants your money. <laughs> that if 64 is not enough, you're going to have to go to 56. Yeah. So that would have set him back probably around about the two grand mark then. No, no, no. I think I think it's still under the two grand uh, aspect there as well. Uh, the other phone that was announced was the iPhone XR. And uh, this one's a very interesting one. This, uh, Just to iterate, they got rid of the iPhone X now, so there's no more... Of that tier, so yeah, we're talking I about that was the, weird. 
Yeah, so they got rid of the X's just because I think they don't want to cannibalize their lineup already with having two variations of the X. Now, uh, the XR is an interesting one because this has not an OLED, but the goddamn best LCD liquid retina display that Apple can market to you. Um, so it's got that. The other thing is aluminum casing around instead of having this sort of glass stainless steel casing on, on their phones. Um, the other thing too is they all come in colors. So you have white, black, blue, yellow, coral, and the product red. At launch, you can get, when, it, when it's out, you can get those particular color uh, looks of it as well. Uh, it's got one camera as well. So unlike the XS and the XS Max, it's got two cameras. This one has only one, but still can do portrait mode as well. So it's doing some clever software stuff behind the scenes in order to uh, do all that. Uh, it's got the same camera specs regardless, 12 megapixel back, 7 front, and the A12 Bionic chip on the XSs as well. So practically it is pretty much a cheaper version of the XS. Yep. Shane, what do you think about these new iPhones and um, which ones would you be getting? None, because I'm a, an Android user. Yeah, uh, fair enough. But um, having said it, like, like I touched on, I thought it was weird that they got rid of the um, the X or the 10 because when they go when they had the 7 and then went to the 7S, they didn't drop the 7. They, when they went from the 6 to the 6S, they didn't drop the 6. So I don't understand. And they've dropped the 5SE as well. So yeah. you can no longer get the sort of cheaper phone. Like the cheapest phone you can get now is the iPhone 7. That's uh, brand new. The 4.7-inch version is $749. Yeah, true. And the other thing I find a bit odd is that um, the cheaper one, you can have a wider range of colors than you can yep. in the expensive one. Is that because it's made from a different material? Uh, most likely, that's probably the reason why. So um, they can probably, well, it could it could be, in fact, mainly the main reason may be because it's a, a different material. But the other thing too, I think it's the market. Yeah. What I, a lot of people have been focusing on you, the XS and the XS Max, just because of how crazy expensive it is and how fancy it is. I think a lot of people are dismissing the XR. Like, uh, it's just like a cheaper version of the X just before. And... Okay, in Australian prices, it's pretty expensive at about the $1,000 mark. Let me just double check that because here in my tech opinion, we make sure we get most of our facts right. At $1,229 Australian dollars. But in the US, it's actually $749 uh, US dollars, which puts it around a sort of high and mid tier to top of the range phone. And for what is practically the same specs as the iPhone XS. With okay, not as good screen. It's got an aluminium case. It's actually a bit thicker than your excesses. Uh, but a lot of people are predicting that this will probably be the bestseller. Yeah. Uh, with the Apple range, so. Yep, because it's going to be good enough for people. Exactly, and that's probably it is. It's good enough for the majority of people, not us, or me anyway. Apple, Apple fanboys and people that want the latest and greatest in tech. I thought you um, dabbled in the um, the Android world a couple of months ago. Oh, I've been I've done it for years. So I've I've had uh, I had an, like a an, uh, Samsung Galaxy S five for a a year or so. Uh, so I was in that round, and I've like I even dabbled in Windows Phone as well. That's because Telstra provided me 
a bit of bit of a back a bit of a sidetrack um when the windows phone was released in australia a few years ago um they gave a few so-called social media influences and um i was given a windows phone for free a htc phone to test out my windows phone but yeah I've, I've gone through different operating systems and i've just stuck with ios iphone just because i'm just used to it and i i and I, I enjoy it. i do like android uh, I just prefer iOS more. That's it. Um, but yeah, I'm currently got an iPhone 10, iPhone X, which no longer exists anymore. And looking at sort of the costing and the, any advantages of what the XS is offering is sort of it's not really interesting to me. It's, it literally is the S cycle. Yep. So we're just seeing just small iterations, small improvements in the phone. Yeah, so you're still going to get iOS 12 when it comes out, aren't you? you probably That's right. So I'm looking forward to my emojis, memojis or whatever the the silly um, emoji uh, thing. Kind of thing, like kind of like that Snapchat emoji stuff. You can get what was that called again? Snapchat. What did I call it? Um, I forgot what it was called. I know there was a specific uh, app. I was handling that. But either way, I'm going to get my uh, Memoji in my iOS 12, so I'll be happy with that. So the other thing about the keynote, um, before we move on and, and, and have our first break, is um, what they never mentioned, because um, there were a lot of rumours going around that they were um, going to bring out an iPad. There yeah. were um, a lot of rumours they might have even rolled out a... Uh, um, uh, an i uh, Mac Mac Mini, I think, got a got a mention. Um, mm. There was some more. There was rumours around a MacBook Pro or a, not a MacBook Pro, but a um the the replacement for the rubbish bin one. Yeah, well, HomePod. That's not even a year old. No, 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 no. Oh, no. You're talking about the Mac Pro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that people thought they were going to mention that they um they never did for one reason or another. Um, I think it's just we're probably expecting too much from Apple and not like being on their side. I think it's just the fact that, and correct me if I'm wrong, dear listener or viewer, I don't, I think it's been a while since they've mentioned anything else apart from iOS and iPhone updates in September for the last few years. And the rumor mills may have some points or may have seen some things, but they're probably... So far, the last few years, Apple have just really mentioned the iPhone and iOS updates, and that's it. And I think we may be hyping it up too much and expecting a lot more other stuff. What is somewhat disappointing, and as much as this was in the rumor mill, um, like none that I really cared about it, has been the sort of uh, the new charger. This is the um, oh that thing, yeah, the map. yeah that's that the the air mat or what whatever the uh, air charger from. Apple, so I can actually get the real name of this. The Air Power wireless charger. Um, where is it? It's been nearly a year <laughs> since you mentioned it, Apple, and not that I actually care, but it's sort of like, okay, something seriously stuffed up <laughs> that they haven't haven't announced it as of as of yet. So yeah. I think the rumors are that they're having trouble because they want to charge different things on there that take different voltages and different amperages and wattages yeah. and all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, and that's probably it. But it's sort of like it's very unusual to announce something that, hey, we got this product. And you would think that actually have worked out the kinks. But it's sort of, it still hasn't been released yet. And we've seen sort of the similar thing with the HomePod that has been several months since they announced And when it's come out, it's somewhat rubbish. Yeah. Sounds great, but it's sort of, you know, you have Sonos or even your Google Home equivalents that are more useful. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yes. Do you want to have a break? Yes, we might as well go for a break, but uh, do stay tuned to this podcast or this YouTube video, and we'll be back talking about our feature topic, which is eSports. Okay, welcome back to My Tech Opinion. We are going into our feature topic uh, this episode, we're going to talk about esports. So, Shane, what do you know about esports? What do you think about esports when I tell you the word esports? Um, before we decided we were going to do this topic, not mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I've obviously done a little bit of research to kind of at least look half intelligent in this conversation we're about to have. Yeah. Um, so I know that um, it is it's basically tournaments that um, where people get together and, and play video games. Um, I know there's probably a particular, I'm guessing we'll cover it, there's pro- uh, probably particular types of video games that work better than others. Um, I can't see you know, things like Space Invaders and Pac-Man and all that kind of stuff being an eSports thing. Um, I know that they, especially now, it's big enough for them to kind of even have like stadiums dedicated to an esports event. Um, I don't know whether whether they can they can do it like online. Can you can you have people you know basically do it from their living room if they've got a good enough internet connection? It, it is it is definitely the internet side of things that makes it probably a distinction to traditional sports, and we we'll use that term for your football and soccer and and basketball more. And like we can probably even go into the topic of what is a sport in general, but uh, um, yeah, that is definitely one advantage that esports has. It's because it's the related so much to tech and internet uh, that is definitely huge numbers in regards to um, uh, its broadcast onto that platform. But you're absolutely right. You pretty much have actually covered a lot more of like esports here, and I would have probably said the same thing. So yeah, esports in general is pretty much a form of competition using. Uh, video games so if we were to have maybe a comparison just to get an idea of more the sports side imagine esports if we were to refer to think of your leagues think of your codes and think of your team so it, it is a electronic version it is using video games to sort of replicate what you see in um in sort of more traditional sports. So for in regards for league, you got the AFL, you got the NBA, you got the NRL, you have uh, NFL, you, you have all these different leagues that are involved with the one sort of code. If you think about AFL, it's involved with football. There are definitely leagues in esports, and so probably one of the biggest ones is called ESL. Um, uh, but you also have... Uh, on, well you have um you have the australian esports league as well uh, funny enough in australia uh too uh but a lot of these leagues have multiple think of it as multiple codes so 
our thinking of codes will be, okay, you play football or soccer. The codes in general are different games. So popular ones, for example, are like League of Legends, Dota 2, uh, CSGO or Counter-Strike Global Offensive in a full term, Call of Duty, Heroes of the Storm, etc. So uh, that's the sort of, to make it easy to understand what esports is and to sort of connect it to how it is in more traditional sports that uh, we see. Okay. So just to get my head around it a bit more. Yeah. Uh, see, when I think of a league, that league is associated with a particular sport, in like in regular sport. What you're saying is that a league then is getting then gets broken up into different different kind of video games. So the game That's right. the league isn't necessarily you don't have a league for um even though it's called League of Legends, you don't have like one for the League of Legends, you don't have a league for Call of Duty. You have the one league and I'm not I'm not getting the connection between how you can have multiple sports in the one league kind of thing. Well, I think that's probably the difference between traditional sports and esports. The fact that think of the league not necessarily as that, okay, this is the one league that represents that one sport, one code, but think of it as sort of this is the organizer and the production company of um of 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 organizing different sports or competitions. So um it's not restricted in regards to uh location or or sort of the number of participants it's sort of okay we establish ourselves as a group where we all decide and make up a a a a competition and we will also make uh arrangements with because remember too a lot of these games are made by big publishers so uh, Riot Games is a big gaming publisher that's behind League of Legends and they will make a deal with Riot Games, go, hey, we want to make your game as a competition and Riot Games will give them the blessing. Go, yep, this is our Riot Game official competition and they can use that to sort of gain momentum to get people interested in participating into it and um, in that sense getting the advertising thing. The other thing we forgot to mention is in regards to teams as well. So you would think, let's say with the AFL, you have, uh, is it 16? If I'm right, if I'm not forgetting probably other newer. Oh, you know, there's 18, 18 teams. 18, yeah. Yeah. So you have 18 teams that are set up. No, it might be 16. Actually, because it's top eight and then bottom eight. Yeah, it might be 16. You might be right. So with esports, the number of teams... uh, I don't have numbers on me, but you can make up a esports team and call yourself the My Tech Opinion esports team, and you may focus on one particular code in amongst us. So we've all in the team together. We'll focus on League of Legends, but we may have offshoots of our own team. Of okay, we have players that focus on one code or one game, and then we'll have team uh, other members of the team focus on other other different codes. And if an ESL or another league makes up a competition, we would have an application process of go, we are a legitimate esports team where this is our records, this is our sort of um, uh, our opinion why we should be in the group. And as well, there'll be an admission fee in order to get involved with the team. And it could be as big as uh, probably the biggest teams in the world have about a $10 million uh, establishment fee. And then you have sort of 
very local ones that are maybe 10, 20 bucks. Okay. So they've been involved. I guess the, the way to wrap around it is that since it is internet based, the breadth and the ease of access is huge compared to what a traditional sport is. It's saying, hey, hey, Shane, you should go and join the AFL. It's like, are you kidding me? It's sort of like, um, you know, uh, age aside, but it's also like, hang on, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a sports person. I don't play the game and stuff, but like for a broader audience that a lot of people will be playing these video games, we're looking at the, the best of the best in these games, probably joining up with teams and representing their team or their, even their country with some some other matches as well that are sort of country focused or even state focused. So um, Overwatch is another popular esport, and they have Overwatch competitions. Right, and their organizer is, or the creator is Blizzard Entertainment, and so they would have different events based on, let's say, okay, this is all in the U.S. region, so Los Angeles and 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 Boston and all that will have their own city teams that will represent that team in in these games. So, couple of questions out of all that. Yep. Um, and I'll do the one that's just come to mind now. I guess you have to factor in um, the internet connection. If like it would be a waste of time for us here to maybe take part in a competition that is based around sort of an American city because of you know, just the latency and all that kind of stuff. We'd get shot like within seconds. Now, the thing with the esports that actually are at those physical locations, so if we were, let's say, an Australian was to compete in esports with the American counterpart, yep. they're done at location. So the Australian would travel to that country and will be participating there. Um, in regards to training, in regards to learning the game and stuff, yes, definitely there's the internet aspect of, you know, you're at, you're at advantage or disadvantage depending on your internet speeds. Yep. on how you're competing with other groups. Uh, but a lot of the bigger teams or bigger sort of competitions, they've done on the same the same uh, geographical location. So if there's a eSports tournament in Melbourne, for example, that tournament will be held in Melbourne with all participants being in Melbourne. Okay. And do they just have the one video game or is there a selection of games or uh it'll, it depends on that sort of code you're, you're competing against so they'll mean they may be the 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 league may announce particular codes or particular games that they will be playing and so your your apply your team will be going for x game okay for example so i may mention with melbourne as well a few weeks ago melbourne had the melbourne esports open um that was held in rod laver arena and i was able to attend and um, it uh, was definitely an eye-opener for me in regards to esports. I would say personally myself, I've, and uh, uh, not to discredit everything, but I haven't been that involved with esports. I'm a gamer, I guess, lack of a better term. I do play games on, my, on different consoles, different platforms of PlayStation and PC. Uh, I do Twitch streaming, uh, so I stream my games online. Uh, but in regards for esports, I haven't really been that involved. But until I got into actually visiting an actual esports event, it clicked of like, oh, it's just a sporting event. It is, you have humongous fans, the huge fan groups that are participating and getting involved and are very enthusiastic what's going on. And you, 
couldn't tell the difference of whether this was a football match or a League of Legends game, um, apart from different uh, different team logos and merchandise and and different ways of supporting supporting your your team. So you have people dressing up in their team's colors or team's mascots or or whatnot, and and you probably have an equivalent with esports with people dressing up as characters in the game or or wearing their their team's merch. So, um, sorry, I'm firing all these questions there. No, 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 that's fine. Uh, is it like so? Like with AFL, right? You go to yep. a an AFL game and it is Team A versus Team B, and that's all you get. And then at the end of the game, you go home. When you go to an yep. esports event, is it just the one? game that's happening at the time or have they got different games all over the place or it it depends on how they organize how it's been organized i i I was somewhat vague my personal experience with the melbourne esports thing was that they had four different games so being if anyone not being in rod Lave arena you have different arenas in in the one location so if you go to one arena they'll be playing one sport you go to another arena they'll be playing a, a different sport and so being, I mean, being that it's 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 all on computers, it's not an actual. They need an actual field to do it. Their one arena that would have had the one sport playing was split up into four different sports playing at the same time, and they were just able to di- divide it up because you know they don't need to have a whole court to play it. They would just section an area that that's will have the computers at. Um, but at at that event, it was probably. 10,000 people that attended and, and you oh, had wow. thousands of people going into the different sports arena. The main one was Overwatch um, that uh, people attended. And um, But to answer your question, it sort of it depends on the scenario. There's uh, some stadiums in the US and in, in Asia that are dedicated just for esports and it may just be that one stadium, one game that's played. And they may, for us, we'll go one game and just sort of see how a team plays, but they may have like couple teams playing in a row and they'll play several matches of that game to get to the preliminary final to find out who that winner would be of that match. Okay. Cool. And can I be can I be on multiple teams and play multiple different games or Yes, but I think if you're going to be playing one game, you should be dedicated to that game so i don't i would say that the skills that you would have playing a particular game don't translate to other games so not saying that you can't be good at all games but it's sort of what's interesting with esports it's taking that next level in regards to playing computer games yes computer games you have your keyboard your mouse or you have your controller and you can play that game and you would think okay this is the one input playing the one game but many games have different sort of gaming structures. Either there'd be a sort of a, um, a top level, top view of a, of, a, of a game and you're controlling characters and leading to where you go. So the strategy base to it, there may be other games where it's sort of first person perspective of a, a shoot 'em up with having teams of equivalent sort of um, abilities. Or I mentioned other games like Overwatch where you have six versus six and you can have multiple different characters that have different abilities. And it's sort of learning those different abilities, their advantages and disadvantages and being against each other. So 
I wouldn't say there's any law or rule that you cannot play in different games. But if you're serious in eSport, it's just easier to sort of be the master of that one game and be damn good at it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And um, I'm jump, I'm chucking something as well. I guess the other thing is like, okay, it's all well and good to talk about esports. So what's the big deal about it? So if we were to put an equivalent of how big a sporting event or how big sporting is, so if you were to look at American sort of games like the NBA and stuff, their sort of value, I think with the NBA, is about $12 billion as sort of an industry. If we were to look at esports, in 2017, it was evaluated to be 1.5 billion. Oh wow! So not only is it sort of a big number, but in comparison, it's sort of okay. It's not as big as your traditional sports, but it's still quite a significant thing to sort of okay. It's a it's a big 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 industry to consider. The other aspect to consider as well is that, in regards to the growth, in regards to the popularity. And also the audience, it is skyrocketing up in regards to its value. Whereas a lot of traditional sports are, I wouldn't say a plateau, but it's sort of like it's a, it's, you can put so much in your marketing and your promotion of that sport that it may hit a particular point. Whereas, uh, as we kind of touched on before, you have the power of the internet that sure you can have tens of thousands of people attending um an actual event physically but you can host so broadcast it on the internet where you have millions of people watching that live event and having those millions of views means you have advertisers that are probably interested in getting those views and speaking of those views the actual audience that are watching this and i even saw this firsthand being at the melbourne esports majority of people are young people, uh, probably under 25, maybe even starting as young as maybe 14. And you have a lot of families that are there as well, bringing their kids to go and check out a, a sports game. And that is a demographic that advertisers love to get into because that's the demographic, the millennials, yep. that have ad blockers and are stopping any ads online. They may not have a TV. They may not be, uh, uh, you know, they're not buying newspapers or magazines. Um, they're avoided all traditional aspects and they're watching YouTube and Twitch. So, um, and, then, and I guess the other advantage is is if you're getting them in young, they will continue through, obviously, the, the more of their life with whatever product that you're trying to, yeah, plug them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be the advertiser's hope as well. They're hoping if Coca-Cola puts an ad in, which they do, uh, they're a sponsor of some teams. Uh, hell, McDonald's was sponsoring the Overwatch team, Overwatch League here in Australia, uh, the Melbourne eSport event. Um, but yeah, that's their hope that they're getting into a new, a new audience to to actually get their attention mm-hmm. as well. Um, the other, Speaking of getting the attention of things, the other thing that's to add to the point of um, how much money is involved in the industry. And I mentioned before that some big tournaments that have a $10 million entry fee, 
the reason that a lot of these leagues can afford is one that's just that popular. But also an uh, interesting phenomenon is that traditional sports are actually buying esports teams to get involved. So there's a, a case of a lot of NBA teams actually buying esports teams to represent themselves in these competitions. But a local Australian equivalent is we have the Adelaide Crows and the Essendon Bombers actually buying esports team or a esports team to represent themselves in esports tournaments. So that's an interesting kind of matchup. Um because mm. obviously the uh, do they do that uh, what am I because you know how like the the video games based around the sports, like you know, there's an AFL video game, a VFL video, uh, an NRL video game. There's yeah. games around basketball. You're not saying that these teams that say that the Bombers um, own, they're not a team that just basically plays AFL the video game. Nah, these are these are. Think of it as they're investing in a team to play on different codes. So in regards to you mentioning the AFL and NRL having their own video games, I think that's just more for the AFL to have a game that you pay the game and the AFL will get some money yep. from that. I think it's just a general, like as a general case, people play that game. But for the, these AFL teams to buy up these esports teams to represent themselves, it's so, hey, we put money in this team, which would then uh, we our investment in it will make them a better team to be representing us in general in a bigger audience. And it may not necessarily necessarily mean that hey, a person in China that's going to be watching our Bombers esports team be a SNN Bomber supporter, but the fact that their investment in time and money into it would lead trickle down to us. So it's like, remember how there was this big campaign to try and get AFL into other countries yep. and it's still happening and we still have like, you know, games in China and sort of promoting our, 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 our teams there. So that's sort of getting the time to organize a team and then sending our, our a group of, of footballers to go and play there. Yep. It's sort of, it is easier and cheaper and a, bigger audience if we're hey let's invest in an esports team and make them as best of an esports team as we can and you can broadcast your name to a much bigger audience for a fraction of the cost yeah yeah as long as um yeah like if you've got someone like a british airways that sponsors yeah. someone they know that that it's an airline I don't think, say, someone who's watching um, the Bombers team in a tournament in the US would necessarily make the connection that the sponsor is a, an AFL football team. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. It's the, the focus isn't necessarily to go, hey, we want to make the AFL or our, our, our sort of team be known in, by an American. Is the fact that the trickle down in regards to the invest, being invested in that team and that team having the representation and earning money in a uh, okay. bigger code, that trickles down to them. Think of it more of as investment for the team rather than sort of like, oh, okay, you know, we want to make AFL a thing. Yep. That's the approach and why a lot of these teams are getting involved. Because the other thing too is sort of 
we touched on the fact that there's a lot of like I was making the comparisons with with the sports teams is that um, that's what esports need. Esports as being an online computer-based sort of entity, it sort of already has a big audience um, from being broadcast mostly for free on, on different broadcasting channels on like Twitch and YouTube and now Facebook is getting involved in that as well. Um, but they need traditional sports to serve, bring them up, the, that next level. It, it's kind of like how the women's AFL is that you have this new team, this new league that's been set up with new players there. And it's a long-term investment, but you, you are bringing this team up to a particular level. That is a standard that a lot of traditional viewers of, 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 of a sport will look at. What I've noticed that yes, these, if you look at an esports event, very well produced. Don't get me wrong, very high standard. But um, I had a friend, had a friend of mine that attended with me to the uh, Melbourne esports event, and I'll do a shout out for him. So he's uh, Sean uh, Callanan. He's a sports geek and he's a digital uh, agent for sports teams, and even worked for people like uh, the Collingwood, and I'm pretty sure Collingwood and Adelaide as well. I will double check that. I want to upset his clients <laughs> as as well but um like he uh yeah he's done adelaide and 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 collingwood brisbane lions as well so he's is is sponsored a few um not sponsored he's been involved as as being an advisor for uh for some of these teams um but we were watching the overwatch event event together and um it was fantastic production great sort of styles um but there was a moment when I had the two teams here and I were showing off their sports logos and they didn't have the names. So for anyone that's new there, especially us, we're looking at and we'll go, I don't know which team is which. Yeah. And it's, I know it's a small thing in regards to having just the name of the team, but it's those small things that is sort of like, okay, they got the idea, but they need, they need a traditional involvement to sort of you know bring them up to that level of what we're so used to in regards to traditional media the other thing too is an advertiser sort of point that since as, as much as esports is such a big thing you still need to have traditional advertisers involved and so if you're going to say hey coca-cola we got you know uh, all these people that are on watching it on youtube and stuff like that's great but we want this on television. We want this on radio. We want to make this mainstream, not for the fact that, well, maybe partly to get more people involved, but you want it to sort of like, you want it anywhere and everywhere. You you know, you can watch the AFL on television or listen to it on the radio. And we want the same thing with esports. Yep. To be that broad. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I saw that you're trying to send me a, a chat thingy, but I had to kind of. It kind of came up at the bottom. So oh, I did it. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, so that was just a link to my my friend who is one. Now we'll chuck a link in the show notes. He did an interview with Nigel Smart, who is a former Adelaide uh, footballer, who is now the chief operating officer at the Adelaide Football Club, and he he interviewed him and talked about his involvement because he's heading up the Adelaide esports team as well so definitely very insightful for especially two older people 
yep. in regards to hey we're all new to esports what's what's the involvement for esports and uh, definitely a good um good episode to check out as well and there are definitely a few links i've chucked in uh, the show notes that uh you can uh more than welcome to have a look in this episode's show notes to read up more about what's to go with esports so the teams are are they are they teams like as in um just associated more with kind of brands and um not necessarily with countries or are there countries that kind of get together and, and compete as a country as well it's a bit of both so with overwatch for example they wanted sort of country or, or sort of in in the u.s sense had like different cities so it's it is kind of weird in a sense because you, they're going to have to do it from the ground up but it's like okay we're going to be investing that we'll put x amount of money for a team to be set up in this town so los angeles for example so we want an overwatch team so this is a league putting money in to have these teams set up so it, it's it's sort of like they're the manufacturer of the game as well as manufacturing the competition and as well as putting in money for these teams Yep. And the end of the day is just so they can, hey, we need to start this group. But the other opposite end of that is sort of I can have me and a group of friends make up an esports team, and this is our name of our team, the Daniel Esports Group, and all esports team. Buy the website, buy, get the Twitter and Facebook account, and that's it. And we can just start getting involved in tournaments. That Joe Blow can set up a tournament using a game. And we can put in some money for, you know, making it a proper competition. And by doing that, you're building up a reputation as yourself as an esports team. And you put in, put in giving yourself a reputation of like, hey, these guys are pretty good. And it can go from then up to getting more supporters in your team and getting more team members. So you can find out other, other players that want to get involved. And that leads up to probably another point, another interesting thing too. So you have a lot of uh, talent scouts that will go to VFL tournaments or VFL games and actually see if there's any good players in there. And you can have the electronic version of that of actually seeing someone's name and seeing how well they are going in, in a tournament or even... Uh, in, in a game in general, like a lot of games have this sort of like highest ranking players on different platforms and can see who's the best ones. Like, oh, that guy's from Australia. Let's hunt him down and find him and see if we can get him on our team. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So it can be, because uh, you mentioned that, you know, that the, there's a lot of money involved, especially in the bigger tournaments. Yep. Um, so indiv- people individually could, and they probably do, make a living out of it. Uh, yeah, uh, that's something I'm not too familiar with in regards to how much money. But yeah, there are people that this is their sort of career yep. as well. Um, for a local sense, I don't think there's too many sort of esports people that are making a full-time career. Australia is still behind compared to South Korea and the US in regards to sort of having big esports um, teams or influence in general. Uh, but it's factors like probably a big thing that the NBN out of anything has sort of helped out. And now people have better internet connections and have better training options between different teams around the world or, or, or just practicing 
in general and um uh, it's hopefully can lead to a more more bigger audience bigger more money involved in, in in the local investment we would have here and then hopefully more people making that a, a full-time career the other thing to consider with esports people think okay you know just like some fat guy <laughs> sitting on a, on a chair like they're showing the show behind the scenes with how SNN is treat, treating the esports team and they're t- treating them just like a normal uh, like they'll, they'll do with their own uh, sports team is 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 that they have to have healthy diet they have to exercise they have training sessions involved and they're treating it just like a sport so they're fairly fit people then uh for the most part one or two of them look still a little bit chunky but <laughs> but they, they are enforcing an actual okay you know we want to make you as good as you can be and it's not a fact of uh, sure it's a factor of your talent on on the keyboard and mouse but it's sort of you need to be at your top top condition and remember these are people under 20 yeah. they should already have a quite the youth as being a big advantage of them but it's sort of again it's a long-term investment that hopefully we can keep these players for longer and putting that as sort of a structure of like okay we investing in making sure this team is going well not just it goes beyond just the game is that they're mentally and physically at their peak yep but i'm uh, <laughs> Just to um, kind of make the contrast about, you know, you don't necessarily have to be fit to do kind of sport. I mean... No, no. Look, look at Shane Warne. He got away with it. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's definitely some outliners of... of but, you know, that's... Yeah, we can make fun of Shane Warne, but he's, he was a good bowler. He was very talented. So, so he doesn't have to be... Doesn't have a, have a, a you know, a six-pack mm. and all that. And definitely have your smacks and, and beer as yeah. well. And... and and miscellaneous calls, but uh, yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of, yeah, it's, it's, there's definitely some outliners, but I think, like I mentioned before, it's a long-term investment of making these teams as good as you can, and it, it does go beyond it. Just like, okay, you can be good at the computer, you need to be practicing a lot, and you need to be in a physical aspect and mental aspect top of your top of your game as well. So, I mean, that's an interesting kind of point that. Um the benefits that it has obviously you know and we've covered this on previous episodes as well but the reaction time the coordination the um the even though you're kind of isolated well you're not because because we've said that the actual tournaments happen at a location you actually have to physically go out and socialize people within the real world so you're not actually like the stereotype says you're not actually necessarily you're not like a basement dweller yeah. yeah, you're not you're not sort of basement dweller living at your parents' home. You know, nothing wrong with that. But it's sort of it's not that stereotype that every single gamer is like that. Um, I mean, sure, there's definitely some practices you do online that's probably the easiest way you can play with anyone else. But yeah, these tournaments is we want you to be in these actual physical locations. Like with with the back to the SNN discussion, they have a room dedicated for esports and the players are expected to rock up to the Essendon headquarters and train there. Really? Oh. Yep. It's actually at the same, it's at the same Windy Hill kind of location yeah. as the... At, at, oh, I think they moved now. They're no longer at Windy Hill. I think they're down at Essendon Airport, the new uh, head office. But yeah, they're expected to rock up oh, really? and train. Yeah, wow. just, like, just, like a, just like a regular traditional football team. Wow. Oh. I get time while I'm over there, I might have to suss that out. 
yeah, yeah, check it out. Put on your bombers uniform. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm veteran sports, esports player here to show the guys what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. I actually used to bag for Essendon before the Eagles came along. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah no, I'm a, I'm a bomber supporter. So for me, it's just my luck that they're talking about. We're talking about it a lot, and the bombers I've been involved with with esports as well. Um, and look, I guess we can go into. I think there's still a reluctance, or still sort of a, a criticism, and I guess jokes in regards for esports. Look, I'm not here defending esports. And I totally get the sort of, okay, that seems kind of weird that we're watching a bunch of people playing games, pretty much. Mm. Um, But it's sort of like, okay, we do the same thing with traditional sports. We don't play football. We don't play basketball. But we're happy to watch other people play basketball or play those games. So why would that be an equivalent to watching people play um, a video game? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and... I mean, there's there's also a difference between being at the game, watching watching like yeah, you know, going to a football game and watching it is a different atmosphere than saying staying home oh, and yeah. watching on telly. Yeah, and that was my experience too. Being at the Melbourne esports thing was sort of like, oh wow, it's sort of you get involved with the group and all that. And like I watch games like Overwatch because I've played Overwatch and I know how the game plays. And like, I, not that I did had an issue with the other games that were involved, but this is. I don't know how the games work, but Overwatch, yeah, I've played it, and I'm watching these guys like, oh, that's a cool move. I would never do that in the game, but because these guys are top of the game, it's sort of like, oh, wow, that's some really cool winning moves or terrible losses that they've able to do that, you know, yeah, I play the game. It's kind of like me playing football. It's like, oh, you know, I can kick the ball and stuff, and so there's people doing some crazy tricks. Yeah. We're coming the football, uh, kicking the football. Yeah, no, fair enough. I was going to see if I've got any more questions because this was much of a learning experience for me is what it probably is for our audience members as well. I think, I think not, not we'll finish off now, but who knows if you've got any more questions. I think I was, if you asked me a few months ago what I thought of esports, I wasn't that interested in it. And I kind of felt like, eh, is it really a sport? Like, you know, sure, you can argue there's a physical aspect that you know being on a computer for a few hours and being just fully concentrated can be as exhausting as doing a physical activity yeah um but i guess finally attending an esports event and actually seeing the enthusiasm seeing it in person it's sort of like ah this is fun i i, I get the appeal of it now because like it's all well and good to probably watch a youtube video about it and stuff but if you don't know what's going on it's sort of like oh well you know what's the deal they are are trying their best to sort of still make it more open so what i found interesting at that event was that they were going to the game and there are different things you can do in a game like different sort of matches like capture the flag or the first one to the base and stuff and they would actually spend a few not a minute, but I'll spend a few seconds explaining what's going to happen. And like, oh, you know, you never have a sort of, okay, we're going to go to a football event. This is how it works. The team's going to try and have to get in the middle of the two big posts to get X points or the side posts to get a point. You know, it's that's the equivalent that they are doing at these games. And not that it's that hard to explain the rules, but it's sort of like they're doing it because they need to open, need to be mindful of the bigger audience that may not know about the game. 
Yeah, usually if you go to a football game, like when I went to the NFL when I was in the US last year, yeah. I knew conceptually how the game worked, but if it wasn't for the people sitting next to me explaining kind of the nuances of the game, yeah, I would have gone, oh, there would have been at least half of the things happening in the game I had no idea what they were doing. Yeah, you probably have an idea like, okay, that guy is in the blue suit and he's got to get to the other side. And then, you know, I think I was in the same when I first, years ago when I first watched a rugby game and I go, oh, okay, why are they stopping? Mm. <laughs> I didn't get it. But it's sort of like once you have someone explaining to us. So the fact that they have the ability to do it and to live during the tournament to explain it, it's like, oh, okay, that's actually quite good. For me, playing a game, I knew what they had to do. But if my mum was there, yeah. My my parents were down watching. Oh, okay, we understand it. But the other side of it too is sort of what's interesting. With again, I'll mention again with Overwatch, was that the camera would move to the different players' perspectives. So the game involves a team of six competing against each other for a particular sort of version of a game. Like I mentioned, there's a capture the flag mode or a, 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 a move a move thing from A to B and the team has to stop the other team doing that. And, um, you know, it, it, the way to show it, it's, it's a first-person perspective game. So the camera will be changing to different team members or they'll have a special camera that will look at the, at the actual game arena, the game map, and you can see all the characters doing their thing as well. So um, it's sort of like next level of imagine having the footballer's perspective and seeing what they see. Yeah. So it's almost like a, a full-blown production in the same way that, you know, something like you might watch on ESPN. You've got commentators, you've got a director that's changing the, the camera shots, all that kind of stuff. Well, you might, funny you can mention, you mentioned ESPN. They have a dedicated esports channel now okay. that they do news catch-up as well. Um, not if it's the same equivalent, but it's sort of crown betting as a local analogy they have an esports podcast and esports betting oh really now as well for local and international events yeah yeah so given that um it's an esport event it's all online all that kind of stuff um yep. it's not a physical it's not a not a physical it's not an uh um it's not a What's the word I'm looking for? Because of the online component, I guess, is there any um, any fear of it being kind of hacked or anything like that? Not really, but I'll mention a hack thing. Not not that it's happened, but it's an interesting point. No, the the way it'll be like a land party. Yep. It'll be like. That's that's equivalent. They're going to have these events. Is that all the computers will be in the one place and working with each other, and and there is a small, if any, chance of it being hacked because it's so close, to, closed down to just that physical, literally that physical event. There's no way a hacking. Can so get there's in. no internet connectivity. It's basically just a, a local network. Yeah, like a local server that will be there. I think there are, don't get me wrong, I think there are definitely a case they'll have a server as well, but it's sort of, if if the hacker can get into that server, then that affects everyone. Mm. Beyond the esports event, there'll be people playing that game. So it'll be customized or, or sort of sanctioned off 
internet access to that server or even literally a local server there at the event that can control it. Yeah. But when you mention hacking, here's an interesting aspect. You know how if uh, with the AFL, they may have a new rule yeah. that will come in and they'll, they'll have a new rule of, okay, um, you know, you can't hold the ball that long or you can't tackle a person at a particular event and that, you know, upsets people. People have to change their sort of tactics and stuff or people get into trouble. The equivalent of that in esports is patches. So there may be a new patch that has to be installed on the game and that will probably be changing how powerful a character is or how oh, okay. a, 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 a particular weapon is is used. And so there can be cases of people training in this game and this patch can just change how the game feels or works for that person. They would have trained for nothing <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. As well, so there are cases like that. That's the equivalent of like a, a rule change or just a change of how the game feels or plays because just of how weapons change or how a character's abilities are different. Yeah, they wouldn't well. do. They'd obviously give the players a heads up over them and they like do that halfway through a tournament or whatever. Uh no, there's been cases where it's been happening middle of the tournament. Oh, wow. I, I, funny enough, bumped into made friends of a of an actual esports commentator when I was at the eSports Melbourne Open and I had a chat with him about what he does and one of the things he mentioned is that we had a case where CSGO, a Counter-Strike um, game where it's sort of, think of uh, think of a six versus, I think it's six or four versus four team that one plays the terrorists and one plays the good guys to stop the terrorists of, let's say, planting a bomb and they have to stop the bomb as one of the game modes in it. And because it was connected on the internet, the publisher of that game put out a patch. Like, like as much as we consider like, okay, esports is a popular thing. It's just that one team opposed to hundreds of thousands of not millions of players around the world that are playing the game as we speak. And they just put out this patch. And so they had to wait for this patch to be installed. So imagine a Windows update. <laughs> so he said, he said we had to fill in for 40 minutes <laughs> whilst, oh, wow. whilst this patch was downloaded and then had to be installed because we couldn't play the game without the patch yeah. being set up. A bit like a well. rain delay on cricket or something. Yeah, pretty much the equivalent. It was like, okay, I guess we're just going to wait <laughs> for this to happen. So, yeah, so that was a very interesting and funny um, point. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, do you think we've covered it? Uh, I think we have. Um, I guess if anyone wants to find out more info, do send an email to the guys here at My Tech Opinion. They'll probably forward it to me, and I can put in my my wording as well. But uh, we also put in links in the show notes, so you can do uh, do check out some of the videos and and, and articles written about esports um be a very interesting stuff especially in, in australia too that it's an up-and-coming thing i should mention that melbourne esports uh, event um that was the first one ever this year that was uh also sponsored by the victorian government and oh, they'll wow. be there for five years is oh, apparently so it's oh, okay it's it's sort of like as much as sort of okay it's just a thing no, there's there's, well, there's, there's big interest in in this stuff so we're definitely going to see um, more of it in the future, for sure. All right, so it'll be at the same location, same time for the next five years? Yes, yeah. same, right. same as well. Cool, excellent. All right. So did you want to um, have another break and then we'll come back and close the show? 
Yeah, we'll go. We'll go for a quick break. All right, cool. Oh, actually, I should go into a break. Sorry, sorry, Phil, if you're editing this. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break, and we'll be finishing up this episode of my tech opinion. And like I said, if you have any questions or feedback or comments, uh, uh, Shane, what's the website? There, there's a website or there's a contact. Yep, the email address is at the bottom of the screen. It is mytechopinion at prosumerit.com. The website is prosumerit.com slash MTO for my tech opinion. Um, and then if basically if you go to the website, it's all there. It'll be links to the audio stuff, links to the videos, links to the show notes. Um, the the website's probably the, the landing page where you need to go to see everything. So yeah, do those things if you want to get more info about this topic. We'll be finishing up after this break. Hey, welcome back to My Tech Opinion. And that brings us to the end of another show. So, uh, Shane, I hope you enjoyed my explanation on what best I can explain uh, what esports is. And, um, yeah, hopefully you can be interested and check out uh, a few videos even check out a twitch stream to see how esports is played but if if it is an esports event in your area definitely do check it out yeah no, well. i learned a lot the other thing i forgot to mention actually and i i've mentioned it in an episode before we just kind of touched on it and i can't remember where i heard it or saw it but i believe they're looking at making esports an olympic event in the next couple of olympics down the track uh may may extend the, t- the discussion there's a podcast or comedian called Joe Rogan who said the only reason Olympics are getting involved is because they want the money. Yeah. <laughs> as as much as we didn't mean to, I don't. For me, I didn't mean to dirty the the industry or the sport. I mean, look, it's advertising in any any code, any traditional sport. But it's sort of, I think the Olympics are doing it just so. Hey, we want that audience. We want that younger demographic. Uh, yeah, we'll make esports an Olympic yeah. thing. Yep. <laughs> just, just so we can get the money in the audience that's yeah. it uh, Shane now uh, what is going to be happening in the next episode of my tech opinion I heard you're going to be doing something about is it online offline storage no it'll be uh, backups so we've done the backups. yeah we've done the NAS thing a couple of episodes ago um, and this episode was supposed to be the backup episode um, but obviously you know, we got in you in and we, we did the um, eSport well, thing well, it was a literal backup. I had a feeling Phil. I was the backup. Oh, yeah, that's Phil. true. So yeah, so the next episode we'll um we'll cover the the backup. So it'll be things like um backing up to the cloud, backing up uh, obviously on site first, and then doing another mm. backup to the cloud. What's available and, like crash and probably and the, probably the options of what cloud uh, options are out there. You got Box and Google Drive and i iDrive. Definitely a. Uh, or even more sort of traditional, well, what are some sort of backup options as well? Yeah. We'll cover things like, you know, your 321 kind of thing and your incremental backups, your full backups, that sort of stuff. That sounds very interesting. I would be interested to hear that too because I'm looking at better storage options than I have at the moment here because I've got a 4 gig hard drive and that's filling up a lot with all my Twitch videos. So all right. be good. See if there was any other options out there. Even Amazon, maybe that could be another consideration too. Anyway, thank you very much for listening or watching this episode of My Tech Opinion. 
My name is Daniel Olivares, uh, the regular co-host here, uh, Shane Johnson. Thank you so much for helping me out to lead this show. And if you are big fans of Phil Edwards, he will be hopefully be back next episode as well. Uh, you can find out more info about the show. Uh, you can visit the website at prosumerit.com slash mto. Um, are we also on the social media side of things too, Shane? Yeah, uh, yeah. So as I touched on earlier, everything's on the the web page. But we've got uh, Facebook, we have got YouTube, um, we have got. Uh, we're also on the um, Aussie Tech Eds Radio, so we're part of the go around on that as well. Um, speaking of them, Aussie Tech Eds Web Hosting, a, a sponsor of ours, so we should mention them again. ATHWebHosting.com.au is where you can find uh, web hosting plans and. Yeah, they have things like Joomla, Drupal, WordPress, uh, Drupal, um, cPanel kind of click and, and drag and drop uh, plans as well. So yeah, everything on their webpage, which is, like I said, their link is athwebhosting.com.au. Awesome stuff. And yeah, do check them out. It's good to have a local option of where you can host your website as part of the usual GoDaddy or Bluehost options. You're probably hearing on some podcasts promoting their services. Do yourself a favor and check out Aussie Tech Heads and see if they're a good um, option for you for your web hosting needs. Uh, anyway, ready uh, introduce ourselves or, or not introducing ourselves anymore because we have to finish up the show. Hope you enjoyed the show and uh, we'll see you all again next time. So thanks for watching and listening. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you.